So we just want to welcome everybody that might be watching uh, the archives uh, or live with us right now. And we just praise God. And let's turn to James chapter 4 and verse 6. Lord, we just thank you for this evening. We praise you. We worship you. We give you the glory. Yeah, Lord, we're just, you're doing some work in here tonight. You're laying your foundation in our lives this evening. And Father, we receive that. We purpose our hearts and set our hearts right now. We receive the foundation of your word so that we might produce eternal fruit for you. And we praise you. Lord, we don't just look at this as just another meeting. <clears throat> this is ordained by you to get the seed of your word, the seed of who you are in us, that we might be the ambassadors that you've called us to be. And Father, we just praise you and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So we've been talking about humility and grace now. I think this is week 13. And uh, hallelujah. And uh, we're not trying to go for a record, but we're on track. And uh, it says here in James 4, 6, uh, but he gives a greater grace. And this greater grace that it's talking about, and I just want you to get a hold of what we're talking about. Because in a minute, we're going to start talking about you changing you, right? But we don't just want you changing you for the sake of you changing you. We have a purpose for you changing you. you know, we have a purpose for living godly, for going after godly, you know, for going after him and his things. A lot of times that gets lost you know, because we get things that we want to do and God's things and his ways get in our way, yeah. right? But we've got to remember what the purpose is. Well, there's a couple of purposes we're going to talk about right away. And one of them is this, is that God gives a greater grace now what that's talking about is how many people have ever had problems ever had some problems anybody having a problem line right now but not raising your hand okay all right so everybody everybody has had some problems at one point why because we live in a world that's corrupted and here's the thing what it's saying right here is that grace is given to solve problems, but the kind of grace that God wants to give to you and get to you is even better word right here, is that he wants to get a grace to you that's greater than your problems. And all of a sudden, when you get a hold of that, you start to see that everything that I have that's going on can be handled by God. All I have to do is learn how to get a hold of this greater grace. So when we're when it basically says right here, therefore God is opposed to the proud but gives grace to the humble, what we're going to be talking about is as we get humble, we walk into more of the grace that he's already given. Not just the grace, but the greater grace. Okay, so what he's talking about is as we humble ourselves to the things of God, we step into the places where our problems are dissolved because his grace is greater. So, and, you know, a lot of times we have this idea of God that's like taking away our fun. But what we need to do is more see it like God is taking away our problems. 
This is what he's trying to help us get to the place of. It's not just taking away your, your fun. It is helping you to not have any problems so that you look more and more like Christ, so that the world sees more and more of Christ, so that they will have more and more grace. This is the plan that God has. But when we, you know, fight for our own stuff, and, well, I want to keep on doing this, and I want to talk like that, and I want to watch this, and I want to do this, and all of it's worldly, the problem is we end up right in the middle of opposition to God because of that pride that says, I know better than God, or I know what he says, and I want to do it my way anyway. And we find ourselves in opposition to God, and you're, not, you're, you're just not going to win that battle. He's bigger. I mean, it's just, he's, he's bigger than you, right? And if you don't think so, you know, then you really need to get rid of the pride. He's bigger. You want to get on his side. You want to get going the same way that he's going. And that comes by us being humble. Now, let's, we started here last week, and last week we were talking about the second point. You know, when we talk about being godly, we're not just saying be godly for godly's sake. We're saying be godly so that your problems will go away. But we're also saying be godly. If you'll look at Philippians chapter 2 and verse 9, this is where we started last week, and we didn't get real far away from this. Um, in verse 9 it says, For this reason also... God highly exalted him. He's talking about Jesus. You see how the him is capitalized here. He's talking about Jesus. And bestowed on him the name which is above every name. Verse 10, so that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And verse 11, and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So see, what humility also brings about is talking about Jesus put on humility and in humility he was exalted. All right? And in that exaltation of Christ, the Father was glorified. So when we're talking about going after humility and going after God and doing godly things, here's some of the things that we're doing that for. And this is what we have to let ourselves be motivated by. Number one, my problems go away, I'm exalted, and God is glorified. So when you're sitting in that situation making the decision, do I do this worldly thing or do I do this godly thing, you need to remember why you do the godly thing. My problems go away, I'm exalted, and God is glorified. My problems go away, I'm exalted, and God is glorified. This is why we make the choices that we make, or make the choices that we're supposed to make. And we've got to keep that in mind. We've got to know why we're doing these things. You know, if any one of those things was the outcome, it would be worth it. Really, we ought to do it if we never had any problems taken away and we were never exalted, but simply God was exalted. That ought to be enough for us if we really are believers, right? That ought to be enough for us to put down the worldly thing. Well, how many people have kind of known that before, but you still made the wrong decisions besides me? Right. So is this something that we have down pat yet? But we need to get it more down pat, right? And we need to continue to head that direction. 
And again, I, I feel like bringing this up right here is the, the Lord has been saying this to me and having me focus on this for some reason. But the Lord is more concerned with your direction than he is your position. Okay? Here's godliness. Here's worldliness. You're somewhere in between that. You're not all the way godly. Right? None of us are. But you're, you might not be all the way worldly, but you might be really close. Or maybe you just, let, let me put it this way, maybe you just messed up last night or today. And the devil, what does he remind you of? Your position. Oh, you're, you're such a mess up. You're such a screw up. You know, you always, you don't care about anybody, but you, the devil reminds you of that. And here's the thing. Every single one of us generally has tripped at some point and fallen and messed up. The question is, what do we do during that period of time? Do we turn back around and do we make God our direction? Or do we uh, roll around in the dirt and the mud of our position? We've got to recognize that the devil will try to get you focused on your position so that he will demoralize you and make you stop going in God's direction. So even if we've messed up, even if we made the wrong choices, some of the verses that Nicole was uh, reading there in 2 Corinthians 5, if you continue reading after verse 17, it says that God is not holding the sins of the world against them. Not just Christians, of the world. Well, then you start to realize that he's not mad at me anymore. He's not upset. That doesn't give me the right to go make the bad decision, the worldly decision. Matter of fact, what happens is it's the goodness of God that leads me to repentance. It's his goodness that leads me to change the way I think about things. And now all of a sudden I say, golly, I did all this and he still loved me. He's the kind of person that I want to give to. And it empowers you to do just that. So we've got to remember, why are we talking about humility? And you look at this verse. Here's, here's this verse where Jesus was humble. God exalted him, gave him a name above every name, and, and then God was glorified. But that didn't just happen. Like, he didn't just send Jesus to the earth as a man, and he had to go through things, and all of a sudden, because he was Jesus, he was exalted. You know, if that was the case, he wouldn't have been born in a manger. He'd have been born in a palace. You see? He'd have been born of a king's child. Not in a manger. Not in the lowly state that he did. But when you start to understand the humility of God, you start to see the beauty of exactly what happened. But Jesus had to make some decisions. He had to make some decisions so that his problems would go away. He had to make some decisions so that he would be exalted and God would be glorified. And those decisions was humility. You don't just get to the place of God's exaltation without humbling yourself to God. And, and let me just give you a little bit of that. Um, so... Like today, like yesterday, Nicole and I both, we were just, we were, we, we probably pushed ourselves too far. You know, we just probably didn't get enough sleep and pushed ourselves too far. We were both feeling bad. Uh, 
we both felt better today, but still kind of felt like, Ugh, you know, and, and not fully there, right? But here's the thing. Is that of God or not of God? Not of God. Even if I made the mistake and, and I didn't get enough sleep or I didn't, you know, I was pushing too hard and, and didn't back off when I needed to. That, that's my fault, right? But here's the thing. God's merciful, but still, it's not God that put it on me. That, that still, any type of sickness or lack, that still is of the devil. Now, the last thing that I feel like doing in that situation when you're feeling bad is, is uh, standing up, you know, to the devil. But humility says that if the devil is coming against and attacking the character of nature of God in this body by saying you can get sick or you can be down, then I have a responsibility in humility to stand up and do in humility, what God said to do. Yes. And in humility, what is that? To resist the devil. I'm not supposed to just let the... I, if I'm an ambassador, like the verse that she read, if, if I'm an ambassador, my job as an ambassador is not let the enemy just run roughshod all through my life and everybody else's life. My job as an ambassador is to set up the rule of the kingdom of God. So when I see the devil doing something, you know, that's, that's why when I feel bad, I don't give myself a choice on whether or not I want to come to church or not because my, by not coming, I'm not resisting him. And I'm not moving in humility. So on the way here, as much as I didn't feel like it in my mind and logically in my mind, I didn't feel like it, I was going... Lord, I just, I'd, you know, take authority over this body. I'd just bind up any power that would try to, uh, and i just resist the devil in prayer, out loud, driving down the road, glad it was dark so nobody could see in the car and see what a crazy man looked like. <laughs> Real happy about that, but it doesn't matter if it was. I was still going to do it because I'm going to humble myself to the Lord. Yeah. That's what we do. Yeah. That's what we do. We humble ourselves to God. Our job as ambassadors is not let the devil run roughshod. If we already have a defeated foe, why in the world would we put up with his shenanigans? Why in the world would we do that? He's destroyed the works of the enemy. So what I'm saying is there's lots of places in our life where we need to humble ourselves to the order of God, to the way of God, and not just let life happen. We should happen to life, yeah. to worldly life. We should happen to it. Matter of fact, that's exactly what Jesus did. There was corruption, and Jesus happened to corruption and destroyed it. And then he said, you go and do the same thing. And us doing that is humility. And what's released in that humility? grace and along with that grace problems melted you are exalted for the glory of God well when the world starts to see problems around you melt away and you be exalted and God getting the glory all of a sudden they go well I'd like to be a part of that I'd like something to do with that but it takes humility. It takes us knowing why we're making the decisions that we're making. They don't just happen. 
So let's go through quickly Philippians chapter 2. And, and we've started here multiple times, but I'm, I, I want you to see. Basically, verses 1 and 2 is saying, look, if this Christianity thing is real, then you've got something to do. In other words, let me put it like this. If, if this Christianity thing is real, then you have something to humble yourself to. There's something for you to humble yourself. There's some action that you're supposed to be taking, that you're supposed to be doing. If this thing's real, we have got to humble ourselves. So it says, therefore, if there's any encouragement in Christ, if there's any consolation of love, if there's any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and compassion, make my joy complete by being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. In verse 3, do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit. But with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. I think we spent a couple of nights just talking about that, regarding one another as more important than yourselves. I'll just, I'll, let me, let, I had this conversation today. Let me just throw this, this part in here, right? Um, so let's say that I'm giving a perception off and it's not a godly perception, right? But in my heart, I, I know that I'm humble. I'm knowing that I'm doing things for the right reason. But the perception that I'm giving off is wrong. Well, if I, if I don't consider other people, then all I will do is look at myself for the rest of my life and say I'm doing it for the right reason. And ultimately what I'm saying is get over it. Right? But if I consider other people more highly than, than myself, then what I'm going to do is I'm going to make sure that perception is correct to match up with the reasoning and the why in my heart. Otherwise, I'm not, in other words, I'm taking into consideration even what other people are thinking. Now, I don't go into the ditch and I think that I'm going to make everybody happy. Even Jesus himself did not make everybody happy. And if he couldn't do it, I sure can't. And you can't either. But you can abstain from the appearance of evil. And you can take into consideration other people. Do you know how many things Jesus could have corrected all the people around him on? Do you know how many times he could have said, Um, uh, um, uh, uh Peter, dude, shut up. Right? Yeah, and and it's like, uh, you know, um, um, Judas, like, I see you, dude. You know, I see you, I see you doing what you're doing, you know. How many times could he have done this? And we don't read hardly about any of it, but yet he could have done that all the time. But his job wasn't to get in there and correct everything. His job and this goes back to what we were talking about. His job was to get them pointed in the right direction. He knew where they, the position. You know, a lot of times, see, we get into the job as Christians wrongly, pointing out people's position <laughs> instead of correcting their direction. Yeah. And this is going to end up being a series on that. It's, it's good stuff. God's, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, 
Again, if Christianity is real, then do this. Verse 4, do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interest of others. Well, now all of a sudden, even my work is not just for me. My work is for who? Others. Others. You know, like just you know, in pastoring, I don't do this for me. She laughed. <laughs> I was like, no, she knows. Uh, no, it is not that. You know, there's, I, I, don't, I don't share this all the time, but th- it fits right here. You know, for the first four years, you know, financially, out of this, you know, grand pastoring job, we received zero salary for four years. And even today... It's probably less than minimum wage if I average it out. I mean, it just is. I'm not doing it for that. Why am I doing it? Well, number one, God said to be obedient. Number two, I can help you. If I'm obedient to God, I can help people. And I'm considering others more important than myself. And the Lord takes care of us. That's, that's not, see, if I'll take care of the Lord and his stuff and his people, the Lord will take care of me. Amen. But that's learning how to be humble when logic doesn't add up because when, it, when you're the one not getting a paycheck for all the work that you're doing, you've got to lean on some humility and faith other than just, well, something cool you heard in church. It's got to be real to you. So our mind renewal is, hey, if this is really real and you really believe this, then we've got some places to go with this. We've got to consider others more highly than we consider ourselves. We've got to consider the interest of others more highly than ourselves. How many people have ever been in a conversation besides me? I'm going to tell on myself right now, but like at one point I was the classic guy that couldn't wait for you to shut up so I could say what I wanted to say. And I would hear like the beginning of your conversation and then the other last 80% was all like what I was going to say next. I was that guy. It was bad. How many people have ever been, but see, if we're considering others more highly than ourselves, then I'm listening. I'm starting to listen. I want to hear what's important to you. I want to hear, you know, and, and a lot of times, guess what? Now, and this is, this is truth. A lot of times what's important to people is not important to God. Like, because a lot of times what's important to people is either a worldly desire or a problem that's already solved. And God's like, If you just turn towards me, the problem will go away and you'll have the desires of your heart. But the world has taught them to go after the worldly desires and to fuss and complain about the problems. So there's a whole bunch of times as a pastor, I'm sitting there going, "Mm -hmm. mm-hmm, 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 all righty. But guess what? To them, in that position... This is important to them. And when I'm considering others more important than myself and I'm taking an interest in them, I need to make sure that I feel the conviction that they're feeling at that so I can literally help 
pull them up out of that. Because if all of a sudden I don't care about that as much as they care about it, they can feel it. Because it, it comes across as not being genuine. It's just like, you know, have you ever had those people that when you talk to them, like you realize that you are the only one that they're talking to or thinking about at that moment? Like they're fully engaged in you? And, and I, I would say I haven't always done that the best myself, but I'm working to get even better. I want to be that guy. Because if you ever have that one person that just really listens to everything that you say, you know, and they're engaged in it, it's like, God, so nice. They're so humble. You know what they also walk in? Grace. Do not merely look out for your own personal interest, but also for the interest of others. In the New Living, listen to the way it says it. Do, don't be selfish. Okay, message over. Don't be selfish. Yay, good job. Glad y'all learned that. that. That pretty much sums everything up. You know, leave it to God to say it in three words when I take an hour. All right, but you're not getting out of the hour. So ha, ha, ha. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others as better than yourselves. Thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. Spouses, learn what's important to your spouse. And do that because it's important to them. Friends, learn what's important to your friends. And do it because it's important to them. Not because you agree with it. Like, and, and I got an easy one for, for girls, you know, for guys, a good example. All right, and I got one going the other way, too. So, ladies, if your husband likes football, and you don't, maybe learn about it. Maybe actually watch a game. Maybe learn why they raise their hands at the end of the field. <laughs> Men, if your lady likes a romantic movie, watch it with her. <laughs> watch it with her. I don't care if you think it's manly or not. If she likes it, consider her more important than yourself. And take an interest in what she thinks. And vice versa. And that goes into your friendship. Do you know how many things would be handled if other people would consider others more highly than themselves? Do you know how much grace would be released in that? Oh, it would be huge. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble thinking of others as better than yourself. Don't look out for your own interest, but take an interest in others. Back to the New American Standard, verse 5. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus. In other words, put on Christ here, and what was it? Who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped. Now, I don't know about you, but for a long period of my life, I read that verse and said, what did you say? Huh? But, all right, so let me read it in the New Living. You must have this same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think 
of equality with God as something to cling to. In other words, he was sitting up on the throne with the Father. He had no reason to come to earth except he took up your interest. He considered your life more important than his own. He said yours is more important than mine. Man, we got some growing to do. We got some growing to do. But here, you think about what he did. He went from being God to being the baby in the manger. Having to trust God the same way that we do. Having to be in a corrupted world, in a corrupted flesh and in a body, you know. And he, he had to put up with corrupted flesh all around him. He did not have to do that. And the word is telling us here in humility, if Christianity is real, do this. Put on Christ in this way. In other words, get out and do something that you think is below you. Do something you think is below you. It wasn't too long ago. Uh, I... I, we, I see stories of this all the time, but I saw somebody that wanted to minister. Saw somebody that really wanted to minister and do their ministry. And they, and they uh, got asked to perform a task and, uh, and didn't want to do that because it was below them. That's why you can't minister. Because you, you don't even understand the basics of the kingdom of God. You don't even understand the basics. That's why God, I mean, you may, you may force yourself on some people, but he's not going to exalt you until you understand these things. It says here uh, in verse 7, uh, Jesus emptied himself. He emptied himself taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men. He emptied himself. That means he was willing to go to zero on who he was. Do you understand? His form, his character, his nature was the top of the heap. you understand? He was the top of the top. And he completely went to the bottom. Because at that time, even mankind was lower than the angels. He completely went to the bottom. Completely emptied himself. Was willing to go from 100% full, not just in your eyes, but in the eyes of the creator, to 100% zero. He was willing to go all the way to the bottom. Absolute. This is humility. This is our example. This is, this is what we're supposed to be living. This kind of way. As Christians, not just a pastor, believers. And, and again, are we believers? Or are we just claiming a title? We want to we see the problems dissolve. We want to see exaltation. We want to see God glorified. It takes humility. It takes being willing to empty yourself. 
I can tell you before we got to this position as pastors and leaders of this church and the things that God's doing that are really great and they're really awesome, I can tell you time and time again where we were willing to empty ourselves and made choices to do that even though we knew it would cost us because of obedience to God. You've got to be able to do that. And just because you do that doesn't mean that you'll become a pastor. But it does mean that you will become like Christ. And a believer like Christ in this world does some amazing things. And the problems don't go away, but they do meet a grace that's greater. Being found in appearance as man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. So he went from being the top of the top to the bottom of the bottom and even went so far as to humble himself in one of the most humiliating, tortured deaths that could be had. That death on the cross. When he didn't do anything wrong. How many of us in that situation would have been going, No, now wait a minute God, hold up, time out. <laughs> I hadn't done anything wrong. That was Jesus, he hadn't done anything wrong. Do you know what kind of humility it took to be killed for something that he didn't do wrong and not throw a fit about it? What kind of humility is that? And now, so this is the humility level that we need to be attaining and reaching toward and grabbing a hold of. You know, granted... The world has not taught us this. <laughs> the, the world uh, has not been like, oh, here's humility 101. You should learn this. It'll help you. The world doesn't do that. So, and what, where we're at is like, you know, humility negative 235. You know, we're way back there. And, and we're not doing well on humility. The world has not taught us that. But yet, here's Jesus and the curve that we have is him. The destiny that we have. We're supposed to be growing up to the fullness of the measure of Christ. This is what we're supposed to read. You might not be anywhere close to that. But you have the ability to. And it just starts by taking steps. Lord, help me be humble. Help me see. Help me see, Lord, where my humility can grow. And help me be strengthened with all might to make the decisions that it takes to be humble. Because I need your grace. And the world around me needs your grace. And you need to be glorified. Verse 9, for this reason also... This humility even to the point of death when he had done nothing wrong. For this reason also, God highly exalted him. Didn't just exalt him. He highly 
exalted him. And, and the whole point of this is not to show you that Jesus is the only one that can get exalted. The whole point of this is to show that God wants to exalt you too. And so that God can be glorified. Otherwise he wouldn't give us other scriptures like in due time you will be exalted. He's wanting to exalt you. But the point of exaltation is not just to make your name great. The point is to continue to make his name great. That's the point. He'll make your name great too. But if that's your focus, you're already outside of humility. For this reason also, God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow of those who are in heaven and on the earth and under the earth, and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of of God the Father. So then, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. It seems like we changed the gears here. It's like, all right, wait a second, what just happened? And what he's saying, saying right here is like, look, you have done these things and, uh, and obeyed when I was present, but now even do it, you need to do these things even more now that I'm away. And, and look, work out your salvation. In other words, if these things are real, humility should be present. In other words, prove that you really are a believer and really are born again by putting these things into action whether I'm here or not. Yeah. Verse 13 says, For it is God who is at work in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. In other words, take strength in God in these things. It's not you standing by yourself. You don't just say, okay, I'm going to be humble, and then all by myself I go be humble. No, allow God to, to help you be humble. Allow him to strengthen your decisions. Doing all things without grumbling or disputing. I know that didn't say all things, did it? Did that say all things? Let all things be done? Hold up. All right, so every time we've grumbled or disputed, we've shown a lack of humility. Everybody's fidgeting. We'll just, we'll just go on in the, woo, yeah, that's the way I feel right now, too. Let me read it in New Living. Dear friends, verse 12, you always followed my instructions when I was with you. That's awesome. That doesn't, you know, I haven't ever seen that where people always follow the instructions I give them when I'm with them, much less when I'm, they're away. So I'm like, I'm impressive. Paul was a man, you know. <laughs> Dear friends, you always followed my instructions when I was with you. And now that I'm away, it is even more important. Work hard to show the results of your salvation. Now, look at here. Your salvation, <laughs> ding, 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 surprise, it's going to take work. <laughs> it's going to take work. You know, a lot of times in our salvation, we're like, I just don't want to go do that. But Lord, 
Guess what? The things you're going to do for God is going to be work. It's not going to be toil. That's a difference. But it is going to be work. But the good thing is what he's talking about is working along with the Holy Spirit. But it does take your action. Work out your salvation. Work. <laughs> work. It's good. Work is good. It's right. God's going to get you to actually do something. Yeah. Coming to church doesn't qualify for all of everything that's included in work. <laughs> just saying. <laughs> it doesn't qualify for everything. Like just coming to church does not check all the boxes God wants checked in your life. <laughs> It doesn't do that. It's going to take work. <laughs> I got tickled at myself. <laughs> work hard to show your results of your salvation. In other words, if you are truly saved, there are some results, and it's going to equate to work. And that's humility. Obeying God with deep reverence and fear. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. You ought to take great strength in that. There is a power of God working in you to do the right thing. Even, even when you don't feel like it. That doesn't mean it's not there. Even when I didn't feel like resisting the devil on the way to church tonight. That doesn't mean it's not there. Matter of fact, the fact that I'm not feeling like it is the time where I ought to believe more than ever. He's working in me. He's working in me. And here's this verse again, verse 14 in the New Living. Do everything without complaining and arguing. All right. Doggone verse. Anybody need to get up here and like repent all of a sudden <laughs> besides me? Yeah. This would be a good verse just to put on our on our mirror and like look at it for a year. Yeah. And and remind ourselves of it. It really would. Because how many of us have ever been complaining and arguing? Yeah. And lying if we didn't raise our hand. <laughs> how many of us have done that? Yep. Listen to this in the Amplified, verse 12. Therefore, my dear ones, as you have always obeyed my suggestions, so now, not only with the enthusiasm you would show in my presence, but much more because I am absent, work out, cultivate, carry out to the goal, and fully complete your own salvation with reverence and awe and trembling. Self-distrust with serious... Hold on, let me just go back to this point right here. Especially while I'm gone. See, a lot of times in church, this is what we do. We walk in that door, and we're like, Oh, look at me. Oh, and we got the halo on, and all of a sudden everything cleans up, and we're just like... We love Jesus. And it's awesome. And then we walk out that door and everything, and then all of a sudden we become the real us. Yeah. Right? Then all of a sudden, but here's what he's saying right here. The real you ought to be more real in here than it is out there. In here, see, part of what Paul's saying is, when you're around me, I can help you some. Yeah. 
Because just the anointing that's on my life is going to help you. How many people feel more empowered when you come to church to be holy? How many people feel better when you leave? Most everybody always has that experience. Why? Because there's an anointing in the gathering. There's an anointing with a shepherd, right? There's, there's an anointing there that's released by God, and it empowers us. And what he's saying is, basically, in that presence, you ought to really follow his suggestions. But he's saying, do you know how much more you really need to follow those suggestions when you're not around that? What he's saying is, that's when I ought to even work harder to make sure that I put on humility. That I follow the example of Christ. I ought to, I, when I walk out that door, I ought to make that my mission. Okay. Cultivate, carry out, carry out to the goal, and fully complete your own salvation with reverence, and awe and trembling, self-distrust with serious caution, tenderness of, of conscience, watchfulness against temptation, timidly shrinking from whatever might offend God and discredit the name of Christ. This is how it describes that we should work these things out with reverence and awe and trembling. In other words, we should not trust our flesh. Remember when we started out, we had the board up here for weeks, and we were talking about humility really shows our need. Uh, you know, it, we have a lot of deception, and, in, and we realized that. You know, you, and we talked about, look back five years ago, were you as good as what you thought you were? No. And look back five years before that, were you as good then as you thought? You, well, you're not as good now as you think you are. It's going to carry on, but as we keep our direction on Christ, it gets better and better and better. But we've got to make sure that we don't put so much... Well, look, because I can tell you, as, as in this position, after years of going after Christ as an adult, more all out than I saw people around me, you get to the place where you think you arrive. Well, I'm doing all this stuff, and I'm, I'm hearing from God, and I am, and I'm seeing the power of God, and I was. But all of a sudden, you have this thing where you feel like you've arrived. And without humility, all of a sudden, you'll get in this real nasty, ugly place. And so what he's saying here is you can't trust yourself because of this corrupted flesh to always stay and maintain where you think you're at. In other words, I got to go with complete unbiased and look at myself with the light of Christ on my life. I got to constantly reevaluate myself, judge myself so that I'm not judged. That's what he's saying. Don't trust yourself. Ask people, ask people around you that do have some spiritual authority. Am I missing it somewhere? Can you see something I need to work on? Communicate. Ask that. Hey, I need, I want, if you see something in me, will you, will you tell me? You know, what, what do you see me doing where I'm missing it? I just had somebody do that today, and I was like, God, good job. Excellent. Because what you did is you opened up the floodgates of heaven to help shine a light in your life and get rid of this. Because you're, what they're doing is they're not trusting themselves to do it right. 
their trust in Jesus by his order and his way. So when we're, when we're coming at God with reverence and awe and trembling, these are the things, self-distrust with serious caution. Don't just think, oh, I got this. Serious caution. Tenderness of conscience. In other words, that you, you're not like, um, you're not, you don't have this hard edge to you and, and, and it's just so absolute and black and white. You, you have a tenderness in your conscience where you're willing and able to uh, let some things sit on you because maybe what you're thinking right is not actually right. But without, if you have drive a hard line and everything's so black and white and so absolute 100% of the time, and I, yes, I do that. That's the biggest problem I have in counseling is when I'm talking to people and they'll be like, oh no, I do that. And I'm like, no you didn't. No you don't. You think you do. But because they can't get off of that, they're trusting that their intentions are so good, they're completely deceived. And they have problems because there's no grace. Watchfulness against temptation. What do we do with temptation? We run from it. We should watch it. Timidly shrinking from whatever might offend God and discredit the name of Christ. In other words, I mean, if we th get a, a whiff of, hey, this might offend God, we, we back away from that. Ooh, I don't, I don't want anything to do with that. That's humility. No, I, I, don't, mm, I don't want anything to do with that. Verse 13, not in your own strength, for it is God who is all the while effectual, effectually at work in you, energizing and creating in you the power and desire both to will and to work for his good pleasure and satisfaction and delight. You see, this is humility. This is where grace lives. In that environment, grace pours out. Problems melt away. God exalts you. And God is glorified. This is where grace lives. In that type of heart. In that type. As we, we finish, I just want to read this passage from the message. It says it in such a great way. So we'll just read through this. And I just want to, I almost, I, I'd almost like for you just to close your eyes right now. And just hear these words. Let them sink into you. Let, let them change your heart. So just meditate on this. Philippians 2.1 in the message. If you've gotten anything at all out of following Christ, if his love has made any difference in your life, if being in a community of the Spirit means anything to you, if you have a heart, if you care, then do me a favor. Agree with each other. Love each other. Be deep-spirited friends. Don't push your way to the front. Don't sweet-talk your way to the top. Put yourself aside and help others to get ahead. Don't be obsessed with getting your own advantage. Let, let me say that one again. Don't be obsessed with getting your own advantage. Forget yourselves long enough to lend a helping hand. 
Man, oh man, forget yourselves long enough to lend a helping hand. Forget yourself long enough to lend a helping hand. Think of yourselves the way Christ Jesus, Jesus thought of himself. He had equal status with God, but didn't think so much of himself that he had to cling to the advantages of that status no matter what. Not at all. When the time came, he set aside the privileges of deity and took on the status of a slave, became human. Having become human, he stayed human. It was an incredibly humbling process. He didn't claim special privileges. Instead, he lived a selfless, obedient life and then died a selfless, obedient death. And the worst kind of death at that, a crucifixion. Because of that obedience, God lifted him high and honored him far beyond anyone or anything ever. So that all created beings in heaven and on earth, even those long ago dead and buried, will bow in worship before this Jesus Christ. And call out in praise that he is the master of all to the glorious honor of God the Father. What I'm getting at, friends, is that you should simply keep on doing what you've done from the beginning. When I was living among you, you lived in responsive obedience. Now that I'm separated from you, keep it up. Better yet, redouble your efforts. Be energetic in your life of salvation. Reverent and sensitive before God. That energy is God's energy, an energy deep within you, God himself, willing and working at what will give him the most pleasure. Do everything readily and cheerfully. No bickering, no second-guessing allowed. This is humility. This is where grace lives. Lord, I just ask that you would make it so clear to us our need for humility, that you would make it so clear to us our need to see you exalted and glorified. And that comes by us being obedient. It comes from us rethinking how we do life. It comes from us being willing to be wrong. It comes from us backing away from even absolutes that we've stood on all of our life and letting you redirect and rewrite the absolutes. Letting you do that. Not a preacher, not my own thoughts, not the world, not my environment, but letting God write the absolutes on my heart. Lord, let us be a humble people where grace can abound not only in our own lives but in the lives of everybody around us. Let us back up and allow you to rewrite our life so that we might live out the destiny that you planned and the good plans that you've had for us for so long. 
Let us not step out of it because of pride, but let us step into it through you working in us towards humility and grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Have a good night.